Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello again, ladies and gents. Today I have a very cool diabetes sponsor I'd like to tell you about, Companion Medical, specifically the Companion Medical InPen. When I talk to people who use multiple daily injections to treat their diabetes, one of the things that often comes up is the lack of data they're able to see about dosing, daily insulin totals, etc. In fact, Companion Medical discovered that only 7% of people who use insulin are using insulin pump therapy to control their diabetes. So Companion Medical decided to bring pump benefits to insulin pen users with the InPen. The InPen is an FDA-cleared smart insulin pen and app that gives patients the tools to manage their multiple daily injections. The InPen is compatible with the Lilly and Novolog pre-filled insulin cartridges and single-use disposable needles. Those are not included with the InPen, but that is what is compatible with it. Using the information transmitted from the pen itself, the Companion Medical app can track insulin therapy, calculate doses, share data with your doctor and family right on your smartphone. The best part is the InPen is covered as a pharmacy benefit under most insurance plans. Currently, you pay no more than $35 for the InPen with a special copay assistance program. So, if you're on multiple daily injections or just thinking about taking a break from your pump therapy and don't want to lose all the features that come with using a pump, talk to your doctor about Companion Medical InPen and visit companionmedical.com for more information. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is Andrew Slyfox. Uh, you may know from his YouTube channel, The Sly Fox Family. Uh, he's a full-time YouTuber with his family, uh, with his wife Hannah, daughter Jaden, and son Caspian. Uh, they are The Sly Fox Family. They have 1.6 million subscribers on YouTube. He's also been type 1 diabetic for 21 years. Uh, but he doesn't talk about that as much on the family channel. And so we also talk about his new channel, uh, Andrew Sly Fox, and how he's integrating diabetes into it more and more. He and I have a great conversation about coming of age with diabetes, and he has an amazing story of meeting his wife, Hannah, and getting engaged within a week of actually hanging out with her, and then revealing that he has type 1 after they were engaged. So we have a pretty awesome story today. Uh, Andrew has become a good friend. We met at Azaris event last year in Chicago, and uh, met up in LA for a live interview in this really cool uh, downtown LA fashion district loft. Uh, and I'm also in his vlog, so be, be sure to check out his new YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to that, and get a lot of really cool diabetes content uh, delivered straight from the master YouTuber himself, Andrew Sly Fox. Enjoy. Andrew Sly Fox in yes. the studio. Yes. Downtown LA. Welcome to Diabetics Doing Things, bro. Hey, thank you, bro. I've been uh, listening to you guys a long time. I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I've... I'm sure you deal with this even more than I do. It's like sometimes you just get in a, a phase where you're doing a lot of stuff and it's hard to just like sit down for an hour and have a conversation and like crank totally. out a bunch of content. So, totally. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Dude, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So we're here in Los Angeles is where you, where you live. Yep. Um, for those who don't know, um, 
make a little introduction about yourself and then we'll start talking about diabetes because like obviously that's why we're here today. Cool, absolutely. Well, I'm Andrew Sly Fox is what everybody knows me as, but my real last name, you might not know, is actually Andrew Brown. <laughs> I have it actually in, because we met in Chicago mm-hmm. at, uh, at a Xeris event. And so was it in the... So I put it in my contact. You were like, yeah, my, name, my last name is Brown. I was like, cool. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, so your Sly Fox parentheses that, Brown. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Cool, yeah. So that, that's really who I am. Um, and I have been a type 1 diabetic for 21 years. Wow, your diabetes yeah. can drink, dude. That's Officially, yes, officially, yeah, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, I am a full-time YouTuber. Uh, I do, well, I used to do daily vlogs with my family, my kids, my wife, the whole deal, and a little bit of diabetes was always added into that aspect. But, yeah, full-time social media influencer. Love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys are, you guys' family, you know, essentially, and we were talking about this in Chicago when we first met. I mean, that's you, and you guys obviously use the Sly Fox name yep. as, as the brand, but yep. also to keep, you know, your identities, uh, yeah. you know, away from people who might, you know, be harmful. So Yeah, yeah, it used what, to what, be crazy. Yeah. It used to be like people would show up at the house and show up at the door and leave little packages, and which nothing, it was never like... It was never bad stuff, right? It was never sure. like scary or dangerous situations. But you know how it is. It's like when, when we were in the peak, it was happening a lot. And we just, for the kids' sake and our sake, and even for the safety aspect, we just kind of wanted to have some privacy still. Because sure. it's yeah. like you're out there every day. You're showing your life every day, your whole family, your kids, everything. So then when it starts showing up at your front door, you're kind of like, oh, it's time to move. Yeah. And let's just start going by Sly Fox because made more sense at the time so definitely <laughs> well i appreciate you saying that you know what it's like i have no idea what that's like so it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what i do know about though is life with diabetes so this podcast we usually start with diagnosis uh so let's go back 21 years you were 14 i was 14 years old the the day i vividly remember is the, oh, the funny thing is i don't remember being like sick before i remember it after that emotional kind of traumatic moment for me when I was diagnosed. So I remember the day of, everything before that's kind of blank. I can't really remember the early stages when I was probably already becoming diabetic, you know? But I vividly remember the day before I was diagnosed and I was out riding my bikes, my bike, with my friends and we were all just out riding and having a good time. And I was about two blocks from my house and I got so weak and lethargic that I ended up just like I'm like I can't make it home and I just I rode my bike as far as I could I found this nice spot in the shade like on a hill it's like a grassy hill I just laid my bike down and I went and just laid like on the ground I'm like uh miserable what's wrong with me something's wrong right like that was the point where I remembered thinking like something's not okay at this point in high school um I think yeah I was a fr- uh, freshman in high school I had friends who were going bro like you're not looking so good. Are you okay? Mm. And at that point I was already like six foot tall or something like that. Something crazy. And, uh, probably not compared to you. You're probably taller than that. I, at that age it was about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, Andrew, you're, you're looking like you're losing a lot of weight. They all, they, everyone was like, Oh, he's got mono. He's got mono. And then some people got even more scared. I got down to 93 pounds. Wow. At six foot tall. Man, I, I thought I was skinny. I, I ended up being like six, five, like one seventy. 165. Yeah, that's, so, I guess that's pretty small. That's yeah. pretty, for me, for, though. For, for that, me. That, your big frame. Yeah. So uh, 93 pounds. 
And people started saying he's got leukemia, right? Family members were getting concerned. And then this was all right before the diagnosis, right? Lay my bike down, finally get enough energy. It's like you got to psych yourself up mentally at that point. Like something's not right. I got to get home, you know? So I laid there for, I don't know, maybe, it feels like 30 minutes. It's probably longer when I was in that moment. I mean, shorter, but it probably feels longer. Got my bike, uh, walked it home, just like threw it down on the front and went inside and just laid on the couch, right? And my mom was so frustrated at me because it seemed like I was lazy. Yeah. Um, and she's going, you're, why are you, you're just being lazy. Stop being lazy. You're laying on the couch. You're just laying here. I'm like, mom, I can't move. Like, I'm not okay. Like, something's wrong. And, and uh, she was worried too. She's like, are you eating? When I was losing all that weight, are you, how come you're not eating? You're just playing too much. And I was playing soccer. And um, I ended up finally getting up and getting some, like, juice, right? Grab some orange juice. And I'm like, I start to come back to life a little bit, you know? And uh, back then it must have been like a little bit of the honeymoon phase and stuff, sure. so it just dropped. And uh, I go to the I go to the the doctor the next day because the next morning I'm just like I was just just not doing okay. So take me through that. Like, so you wake up, you're not feeling good, mm-hmm. or you know, there's already been some symptoms. Your friends are giving you feedback. How mm-hmm. did you have that conversation with your mom, or did she did she come forward and be like, we're going to the doctor? Yeah, like, yeah. So my mom was like, we need to go to the we need to go to the doctor. She makes an appointment. We go in, right? And they started doing, it never, ever, ever occurred to me that diabetes is what the doctor would say, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's we go so that far day, outside. Yeah, like, and I'm thinking I've got mono. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's something, I don't know, it's just something different. I'm just sick, something, stomach flu, something's off, right? And um, we, we go there, and the only diabetic that I ever knew, like, this is what I was picturing, right? Like, well, actually, hey, let me say this first. So we go there. They take a bunch of blood work. We're sitting in the room, right? It's cold. My hands are clammy. I'm just, like, sitting there on the table, not feeling well at all. Sugar's pretty high. Um, and the doctor comes back, like, 30 minutes later, right? Like, I'm sitting in there a long time. And he's like, okay, so um, after your blood work, we tested, they tested my sugar and the whole thing. They're like, um, you actually have type one diabetes and they called it junior onset type one diabetes, yep, right? Juvenile. Yeah. Juvenile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, okay. Right. I'm kind of speechless for a minute and then I'm mad, you know, and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. Are you kidding me? There's no way. Right. And, uh, they come and they show me that they show me the, the results and uh, sugar is a, a little bit over f- uh, 500, like 540 something around there. And, um, my mom's like, what? You know, and then all that's going through my mind is the only diabetic that I knew, the type 1 diabetic, she was legally blind. <laughs> she didn't take care of herself okay, at all. Yeah. Very, very different generations, too. You know, it was just a long time ago. Um, she had diabetes for a long time, too. Um, she's, you know, she just was not in good shape, right? Kidney failure, uh, leg amputated, right? The whole thing, right? And I'm flipping out because I'm going, wait a minute, I hate shots. I don't even like to get shots, you know, for school. Um, so all I'm, all I'm thinking is needles, pain, shots, leg amputated, blind, and uh, kidney failure, right? That's everything that's going through my mind. It was like, uh. So I'm, I remember actually, like, getting, like, really mad, just, like, kicking the side of the thing. Like, there's, I'm just mad, right, at that yeah. point. Trying to, like, it was traumatic for me to, to just caught me so off guard, you know? Um, and then you know how it is. Like, you stay, I stayed in the hospital for a little while, and they kind of trained me. And during the night, I'm like, uh, they wake up and like, give me shots and and stuff but yeah that was that was my uh diagnosis man it was it was uh probably similar to a lot of other people's but traumatic for me at the time yeah i think i mean 
talking about different types of trauma, like big T trauma, little T trauma. I think uh -huh. like some people's go both ways. Uh -huh. um, well, there's my pump yelling at me. <laughs> uh, but it, it's really interesting. Do you remember what the doctors told you when you were in the hospital? I think like for me, I was, uh, you know, I had an awesome diagnosis experience. I, you know, I, I call it like the 1% diagnosis experience because like <laughs> I thought everybody got like this super encouraging message because I was like you, the only people that I knew with diabetes at the time there were a few people around me, mm -hmm. not like great friends, but closer, close enough. And right. they were in and out of the hospital all the time, uh, in and out of school. Yep. And, you know, it seemed like they weren't handling it very well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, is this what my life's going to be like? I wasn't really sure. I right. didn't really know much about diabetes. Right. And uh, you know, do you remember what the doctors told you? Uh, they actually scared the life out of me initially. Like they were, they were not positive and I, honestly I think a lot of it has to do with that they just didn't know much about it I really think it is I think it was that they were not endocrinologists they were not specialists they were not dietitians they were not anything that could really understand the lifestyle of what it was plus it was 21 years ago so the care was very different but they basically told me <laughs> this is funny now they're like oh well my you know they're scaring my parents too they're like the life expectancy i'm like what life expectancy like <laughs> never even crossed my mind life yeah, expectancy. i'm 14 right? i'm gonna live forever yeah what are you talking about so they're like it's like 65 i'm like 65 you know what i mean like it's funny to think about that now because you know obviously we're i i'm fully confident if without some crazy, I'll live past that, but <laughs> hopefully. Um, and uh, so they kind of freaked us out. They told us all the things that are real, right? But they didn't present any of the positive. It wasn't like, yes, there's all this right here, but you can still do anything that you really want to do with these additional steps, right? right. Which I love that message that, that, you know, that you were told. Um, but mine was more don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. If you do this, this could happen. If you do this, this could happen. You could go blind, you could have kidney failure, right? Everything that I was already fearful of, they were confirming the danger or the risk of, right? Um, which honestly I know was important, but again, they weren't necessarily experts. This is really interesting though, because I think it frames up a lot of what I have come to believe about diagnosis mm -hmm. and how it sets you up for success or mm -hmm. failure, really like mm -hmm. uh, defines your relationship with diabetes right off the bat. Right. So in your vlog that we just recorded, mm -hmm. which uh, I'm gonna release this alongside that so that oh, we cool. you know, get a little promotion out of it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about fear playing a huge part in right. why you really didn't pursue sports past a certain exactly. point. Yeah. Uh, and you were a really active kid and like yep. it was a big part of your life. Uh, I wonder, and this is obviously s small sample size, the the don'ts, the if you do this, this could happen. Mm -hmm. and, and the fear kind of infused in the medical advice from someone. Right. And like, you're old enough now, obviously, you're like, oh, well, these doctors really didn't just, didn't know much about right. diabetes. Right. But at the time, I think we think we're in there, like this person is a, a doctor. They're the doctor. They know everything. They know everything. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfair to them. I, I definitely see both sides of it. I mean, for most people, diabetes is just like one chapter in med school right. and you just move on. Right, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to see like the echo and ripple effects of just small little language and bedside manner oh, uh, totally. and one, one or two sentences can change the whole thing 100 percent, yeah because they, they could have they could have said exactly you said all these things this could happen this could happen this is the risk this, this is the risk but you are still you right diabetes is not you because i lived so many years thinking diabetes is this all-consuming big thing and chaos and 180 something thoughts in your brain every yeah. day right like that's how I always held this whole thing around me like I lived in this giant big bubble of chaos and I was at the center of it but I'm no longer 
me, right? This is me first, the filter through, and then you, to get to me, it's down in here, right? Um, and that, I, I think it's so cool that you would say that because thinking back now, uh, say, saying about the diagnose, setting you up for your future, even your, your mental health or your mindset of how do I approach life now, right? Because how I moved forward with at 14 years old, hearing all the negativity and none of the positivity, I did approach life at that age as it's over, right? It's, it's over. Sports are over for me. Uh, going out and riding my bike these long 20 miles are, are over for me, right? Like all these types of things, it just felt over um, after that point. You know, and like you said, it's taken a long time to get to the point where now I'm old enough and educated enough to look at it and go, wow. And I don't even blame the doctor. Like you sure. said, it's not fair to them. Like, I get it. Like, they didn't know either. And we didn't have the internet even back then. Like, I, we legitimately did not have isn't the that, internet. Isn't that research. crazy to think? Yeah. I, one of my talks that I do when I go speak at conferences is, is about I, what I call the T1D renaissance, mm -hmm. uh, where we're doing this thing right now for diabetes. Right. Um, this was not around when you were diagnosed, when I was diagnosed. No five years ago when someone yep. was diagnosed uh, and how we're all kind of connected now. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, a Google was so new. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have, there was no phone. I had mm -hmm. texting and I had to like log on to the internet to text people. I remember being in the hospital doing that. Oh yeah. And it's it, now we're just able to communicate, connect, yep. like learn. Uh, and so now, you know, I know that when that doctor took a long time mm -hmm. uh, coming back to you, someone today they're telling hey I, we, have, we think you have type 1 diabetes we'll be right back right they're pulling their phone out and they're like Trying 10, 10 pages out. deep in webmd right like yeah. so uh never thought of that but yeah you're right and so it's really interesting it's just like now like technology has has changed so yep. much of what yep. that those first few moments are yep. like yep and then the education aspect of being a part of like the online diabetes community alone is leaps and bounds ahead of where most endos are right now yeah you know what i mean like we we living with this and being a part of this community, we're pushing the boundaries daily because I think a lot of it has to do with like what I said, like with like on the, on the vlog, we were just talking about like with having the technology now, I probably would have never dropped out of anything. And I probably would have been more empowered and confident to, to be like, Oh, I got this right? right. Like I know that all these risks are there, but they're not there now. Well, and I think you there's know? a lot of hope in that message, right? Like I agree. as technology advances, as research ad mm -hmm. uh, advances, you talked about the diabetes online community and like putting you ahead of endos, not mm -hmm. just that, uh, because I think, you know, the, the endocrinology world, there's a few that are extremely ahead of the curve, right, totally. but then the mass of the majority, I think are in small places and they don't necessarily even maybe see type one patients. Yeah, uh, totally. But, uh, the other piece is, uh, in 2018, I went to the American Diabetes Association conference mm -hmm. in Orlando and I found this board that showed a survey of a like a study mm -hmm. on people who are involved in the diabetes online community in blogs or social media mm -hmm. and then what their a1c was and mm -hmm. they were saying like definitively a hundred percent of people who are involved in blogs and social media have a better a1c outcome than people who aren't interesting uh, and my own life reflects that too it's just interesting yep. to see like not much of my real life changed i just learned from people right and I have community and there was just other yep. like-minded people around. So yep. yeah, we talked about that on the blog as well. Like my regret yep. is I just didn't do that soon enough. Yep, totally. And, I, and another thing that I personally like about now that I like have <laughs> come out with my diabetes publicly yeah. in a sense where I am in the public eye as a diabetic versus like when I was like on the YouTube thing, one of the reasons I didn't share much about uh, diabetes on YouTube as well is I couldn't hand the, the, the hate that I would get 
they would always attack your weak points on YouTube, yep. right? It's vicious on there. So they would always attack my diabetes first. Like out of anything in the whole family, that's what they would go after. Do you, do you remember a specific example of something that like really kind of got to you? <laughs> yeah, it's really hurtful. Yeah. And like even just thinking about it is embarrassing and hurtful. But at the time, um, my wife and I were uh, trying to have another baby. And somebody commented and said, look at Andrew's diet. He's eating hamburgers. He's eating all these fatty foods. He's eating French fries. He even had pizza at this one birthday party for these kids. Like he had pizza right here. The guy's going to die by the time he's 40 from a heart attack or diabetes. And no wonder they can't have kids with this kind of diet and diabetes. Oh and uh, so that, that, one was, that one was hurtful yeah. for sure. But I also always appreciated the, the, the crap that they would say because it made me better right like I read that and it was hurtful and and I thought it was really mean I'm like that's just mean bro like to attack the pregnancy because we were having a hard time getting pregnant so they attacked no wonder he can't get his wife pregnant because of his bad uh, diet and they were just trying to be mean too but um, I was just like okay but then it did encourage me to go but they're right I should be in, improving on my diet. Why am I just staying here and why am I not challenging myself as a human diabetic or not to have a better diet? Yeah. Right. So I appreciated that, that those kind of comments because it did, it really truly did help me to be a healthier person. I'm proud to introduce Companion Medical as a sponsor of this podcast. And I have just a few questions for you. Are you on a regimen of multiple daily injections, but want to automatically record and store insulin doses? keep track of active insulin, calculate mealtime and correction doses, get reminders about dosing, have robust reporting you can share with your doctor or family, integrate your CGM data via an app, then you need the InPen from Companion Medical. The InPen is available in the United States and is covered as a pharmacy benefit under most insurance plans. Currently, you pay no more than $35 for an InPen with a special copay assistance program. The InPen is only available through a prescription, so be sure to talk to your doctor. Or for more information, visit companionmedical.com. Okay, let's get back to the episode. It's interesting how like those things can, you know, something that is initially bad and like kind of devastating and like even uncomfortable to talk about now yeah. uh, can, I mean, at least come around in a positive way. I think it speaks totally. obviously to character, obviously, but uh <laughs> Is it, does it surprise anyone listening that people say mean things on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, Who knew? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, you mentioned your wife. Mm -hmm. uh, something that I think a lot of people ask me about or are very interested in when previous guests come on the podcast mm -hmm. is dating and diabetes. <laughs> uh, so how did you and your wife meet? And you guys have a pretty unique story. It's a crazy story. So let's, let's hear it. Oh, man. <laughs> Buckle up. This thing's fast. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm in, I'm in this chair. I'm locked in. <laughs> it's high speeds, man. Yeah, so uh, I, I've always been a singer-songwriter, um, played music through all through high school. Um, I think that, was, that came about from quitting sports, right? I, wanted, mm. I was just, like you said, active and creative, and I wanted to be doing stuff. And I uh, picked up bass guitar and um, then electric guitar and then acoustic guitar, and then I began singing and songwriting. Um, and uh, all across, I lived in uh, South Haven, Michigan, uh, Holland, Michigan, and then South Haven, Michigan for a little while, way up there. And um, all the way from over there, a little spot in Michigan, uh, there was a girl in uh, Southern California, Orange County, <laughs> who was doing a similar kind of thing, writing songs and learning guitar. And eventually our, our paths uh, crossed on the internet. Um, I happened to see this beautiful girl who at the time was 19, I was 20. 
Um, she had the exact same guitar as me. She just came out with uh, a record. She was signed to a record label and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I was ready, like at 20 years old, I was like, I was ready to get out. Like I'm ready to get out, do something crazy. Um, I was out in Dallas, uh, in your area for yep. a while um, at, at college. And then um, I only did one semester. Turns out I wasn't uh, cut out to be <laughs> not college in material, college yeah. material. So I bailed out of there. Um, probably a mutual thing between them and me. Yeah. Part, um, parted on good terms. <laughs> we parted on good terms. We I actually am still really good friends to this day with a lot of people I went to college with and even some of the, the directors there, which is cool. Um, but anyway, so left that and, uh, I was, I was just actively pursuing music just nonstop. I was working in marketing and I'd come home and I'd play my guitar for literally eight hours a day, man, just playing, 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 playing. Um, saw her, uh, reached out to her, um, and I was like, hey, you have the same guitar as me. Um, let me know. I just saw you just released an album. Let me know if you ever need a guitar player, right? Never imagined she'd ever respond. This was on MySpace at the time. Wow, big time. Yeah, big time. This is old time, big great, time. Yeah, great MySpace line, though, right? Like, yeah. Hey, we have the same guitar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was my in. Uh, she, she ended up responding, and we talked for about a month. Um, through just like MySpace messenger chat, right? Big time, um, big move. Yeah, big move, right? And then one day I was going out bowling with a church group <laughs> and I was like, oh shoot, we were like, at this point we had graduated into like talking like AOL messenger, you remember okay, all that? Okay, big time. Big, we took a big that, that's step. That's like almost official on yeah, the internet. Yeah, because you gotta remember, this is, this is 14, almost 15 years ago now sure. at this point, right? So the internet was still fresh. You, people didn't, they, Tinder didn't exist. It wasn't a common thing to just network and meet with people like that. There, there was MySpace and yep. that was about it. And to find strangers like, on there was sketchy. And like Messenger, you'd have like maybe like a close group of your friends, like people oh, yeah. you actually knew. Totally, like yeah. That. Yeah, exactly. So we, we were chatting um, and I was like, well, here's my number because I didn't want to ask her for, for her number. I thought that was kind of creepy on the internet, you know? So like, here's my number. If you want to call, it was like this big, Because back then you called. Phone. Yeah, you called. Yeah. You called, right? Nightmare. So I didn't even know I could get text messages, by the way. She was way more advanced than me. She texted me. So then we started texting and uh, moved on to a phone call. And this was all within a span of about a month, month and a half, right? And then, and then at, during this conversation, I ended up talking with her dad and her mom and, and maybe, even, uh, uh, maybe even some of her siblings and stuff as well. Um, all within a month, right? And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly out there to meet you, right? It just, we just kind of like we're hitting it off, just clicking, you know, just so many things in common. She's really creative and really cool. And so we're talking, I fly out to um, California. I take my mom with me. We stayed at her house. Um, I was out there for five days. Um, ended up going like, is it cool if I hold your hand? You know, it was like super slow. It's cool. Yeah. And uh, like really respectful. She, she was a really, really good girl. Um, she never even had kissed anybody in her entire life at uh, 20 years old at this point. She had turned uh, 19 to 20. Um, and, uh, so I was her very first kiss and all that stuff. But so five days I fly back home to Michigan, which was a Saturday. And the next day I wake up on the Saturday morning and I'm like, I tell my parents, I'm going to go buy a ring for this girl. And everybody's laughing at me. Oh, his internet girlfriend, my sister and everything. I was like, okay, well, when you're at the wedding, we'll see who's laughing, you know? Cause I knew, you know, I just knew, um, I went and bought her a ring. She flew out like two weeks later out to Michigan with her mom. And I was supposed to wait, right? So when she's in the air flying out, I call her dad. I'm like, hey, I bought a wedding ring. I really want to marry Hannah. Um, and, and he knows at this point, we've only spent five days together in person. Um, he's like, okay. So he spends like an hour on the phone with me, just like asking me a ton of questions. And we just like went deep, you know. And um, I was supposed to wait 
a while and then I saw her that night and I wrote her this song and I was just like, let me play you a song and I proposed and she said, yes. <laughs> Crazy, bro. Wow. So this was like, yeah, after five days of knowing each other in person, right? This was the six days spent together, which was only a matter of hours. She got in at like five o'clock at night or something like that. So I asked her to marry me. We were engaged by probably like seven, seven thirty. <laughs> just get right <laughs> to the it. Six day, just Why got not? right to yeah. it, bro. Um, and then we go out to Nashville because my parents wanted to move to Nashville. This is like the next day, right? So we all decide we're all going to go out to Nashville. Her mom goes with us, my parents, uh, my sister, my brother-in-law and all that. We're all out, we all go out to Nashville and she, we're, we're talking. She's like, I don't want to go. I'm so bummed. Like, I wish you could come back to California with me. Cause like at this point we're engaged now. Right. And you like, guys are a couple for we're sure. We're a couple. Yeah. Like it, we're not, we, we hadn't even like kissed bro. Like we got engaged. There was like nothing. Like her first kiss was after, right after I proposed and it was all teeth because she was smiling so big. <laughs> and I was like, Eden, you ever done this before? And she's like, no. Nah. So long story short, the next day we're talking. She doesn't want to go back to California without me. We're engaged at this point. She's like, we should just get married. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'm in. I know, yeah. I know, I know I want to be with you. She's like, don't you want to be with me? You know, she gave me the little shiny red apple, like Adam and Eve over here, bro. Yeah. And I was like, I'll take a bite. So <laughs> I took the bite and uh, we went for it and we went down to the courthouse. We got married. This was seven days after knowing each other in person. And we got married two kids later, 14 years later, we we're still together. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so obviously like you guys didn't talk about a lot of, a lot of stuff. Oh Yeah. She didn't even know I was diabetic. Well, because you guys were online. You know, you and I hit it. Yep. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be known as the diabetic. So you, you hit it from her. 100% hit it from her. I actually, uh, I had the mini med at the time. Or the animus, I forget. One of, one of them tubed. And I'm like, man, she can't see this. So I, I put it in my butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt wow. like nothing I have ever experienced before in my life. But I was like, shoot, like if we go like swimming or something, like I, I don't want to see it like in my stomach. Yeah. So, so I hide this thing at this point because it's like... I was embarrassed and yeah. I thought, I thought it made me less valuable. Cause it makes you different, right? It makes you different. E and and, and we it can, feels like makes you less. And, you we, know? and we can act can. like, and especially when you're young, um, it's just such a tough time in your life to be different, especially right. as a totally. kid. Totally. I think about when I talk to parents about being a teenager with diabetes and like have it, they are raising teens. Right. Sometimes we forget like even now, like how difficult it is yep. to be a teen anyway. Oh man. Yeah. Much less a teen with diabetes. Yeah. So, you know, you're still, you're 20 at this point, you said, 19, I was 20, 21? 21. So like, you know, all due respect to 21 year olds out there, but you don't know anything about it. I don't know life, anything. You know? So it's like, you know, you're still being very careful. Do you remember how you brought it up to her? We had this, how did I bring it up to her? I think, first of all, she had no clue. She's never known a diabetic before in her life at this sure. point, right? She has no clue the seriousness of it. It just seems invisible. It seems like nothing right she doesn't even realize right <clears throat> excuse me at this point and uh so i remember i remember just being like hey um i've been really hesitant to tell you this but i actually have a disease called type 1 diabetes well, what does that mean well not much i just have to do insulin you know and i have this insulin pump and it kind of it gives me insulin uh you know my body doesn't produce insulin when i when i eat food like yours does right so that was kind of like the very yeah. basic that I could explain to her. So she never thought much of it really, which is kind of like an ignored thing. It was just like, Oh, okay. Like, whatever. Oh, you've got it. No yeah, big deal. It was the, it was the years to come where it became, you know, the, 
the evil mistress over here taking my time and attention and <laughs> causing trouble. And what kind of, I mean, I know you guys were, obviously you moved to Nashville. Yep. We lived uh, in Nashville. For and you're musicians year. in mm-hmm. Nashville. Yep. So life, the lifestyle you live there. Oh yeah. Late nights, long hours, sometimes in the studio, traveling. Eating fast food. Oh like yeah. The all the time. Night. Yeah. Terrible control for a lot of years. And I think that was a lot of the impact on top of the fact that we were what do you call it, like a contractor base when when you're a when you're a musician like that back then we didn't have like a incorporation we didn't have a boss we didn't have it so i didn't have insurance for like almost 10 years of diabetes <laughs> yeah that, insane bro and i mean that that opens up an entire other can of worms, oh, dude, right? Cause, and, and that's because yeah. just cost for one gosh the cost alone man and then just you know treatment and getting supplies it's yeah, just like an entire an rando that visits hundreds and hundreds of dollars you know yep. just to get seen and it's like so the, it's just that she she was with me probably through the worst possible time with me having diabetes um and that was the beginning of it right because she had no idea what she was getting into at all so then all of a sudden we're like uh the cost alone we're not making much money we're just these early she was just 20 years old right and i'm only 21 and we're just like trying to get started and, yeah. and make things work and at the time because we jumped into things so quickly like we got an apartment and we decided ah oh, it's not a good idea we're trying to travel and make music so we moved in the basement of her parents house and you know we're just ground level everything yeah. right um and uh, like you said just eating bad and that on top of the amount of insulin that I was using, just the costs were even higher, you know, and it's like in it, on and off of pumps because I was paying for pump supplies out of pocket. Yep. So then I'm on, you know, I'm on these, I'm on the injections and then I'm back on the pump when I can afford it and then, then off. And then how do I explain to her like, Hey, can I spend, you know, like thousands of dollars to get these supplies? Like it really helps, you know? Right. Well, why can't you just use the shots, right? She doesn't fully understand. Why can't you just use the shots? And I'm like, I just don't do a very good job on the shots. My, I've, I'm a lot better. My A1C is better on the pump, you know. So those kind of conversations those are were tough, difficult. Those are tough conversations. They are. Especially when you're that age. You that know? age, zero understanding of it. She wasn't educated. I was not really educated either because at 14, I, I don't remember really anything except for the negative, right? That's what right. stuck with me in the beginning. So I kick myself now because I'm like, I wish I would have put in the time and effort to not ignore the fact that I needed to be educated right on the fact of like well how does your body handle these fats how does your body handle these types of carbohydrates what are what are these you know what are the brutal kind of uh, carbohydrates how does that affect you versus these simple carbs and you know those types of things yeah because I didn't even understand the basic diet and I think it's it's interesting like of course you didn't you were young like and that is that's why I'm always so impressed with when I meet young people with diabetes who you know, are asking super adult questions yeah. and they like manage themselves. I, I went to a couple of camps this year where it's just hundreds of kids there who are so used to taking care of themselves and they're like crazy. talking so to each cool. other about different things. And there's so many things to know. Yeah. Like so many different factors. Like we were talking stress and sleep and yep. all those different, yep. uh, all those different things that go into what could be simple, yep. but on the, on the surface seems simple. And right. you know, when you dive into it, it's hard to explain to people. It's an invisible illness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I, my response to people when they ask about dating and diabetes is that, you know, most dates happen over a meal. So I, right. you know, would always test my blood sugar and, and give, you know, my insulin through my pump, uh-huh. uh, on those dates. And it, it's interesting, you know, but when you meet somebody online, like there are no dates like there that. There are none. Yeah. We did, we dated through the marriage. So yeah. then all those additional pressures of, like you said, like I'm bolusing at 
dinner or like it's just that was so foreign you know to her um but yeah it's exactly like you said like those dating but at that point we're already married right uh, we're already sharing financial responsibilities and I'm over here trying to find like the lowest cost insulin. So at this point there's an internet, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shout uh, out the internet. Yeah. So I was buying, uh, I was buying insulin from Canada, Hmm. like getting it shipped from Canada, like all the time. That's how I was getting it. I forget what it's called at this point. You're ahead of the curve, dude. That was, that was, I know when I see people doing that now, I'm like, Hey, I used to do that. I used to, I used to get insulin from, from Canada and stuff all the time. Um, and this is, this is at least 10 years ago at that point but and then I got lucky enough to find a doctor that worked with like people who didn't have insurance he just that was his business Hmm. um and he actually knew a decent amount of uh, about diabetes now he was definitely not an endocrinologist and he was definitely not an expert but neither was I at this point so the fact that he could get me insulin or get me um syringes or prescriptions or anything like that kind of stuff because I also have a thyroid so i take like um levothyroxine yeah stuff same too. Yeah. yeah okay cool mm-hmm. yeah mine doesn't work at all um yeah hypothyroidism yeah I, I i i think four years after i was diagnosed with diabetes really I diagnosed yeah i think mine was like a year so one pill a day every morning yeah i'm like man i'd rather have diabetes than that any day <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that our dating experience was you know with the first couple years of, of being married you throw in the aspect of guess what we're not just dating but you also share in the financial responsibility of diabetes right. and we don't have insurance so it was uh it was interesting she definitely has some probably resentment that she works through still today because we'll have our conversations now about diabetes now thanks to the community and thanks to the education and thanks to the fact like you said i think in my vlog where you're like you raise your hand like okay i'm gonna put in that effort to to really invest into this and really help people but also learn from it as you're meeting more people and seeing how people do things you can tweak you know to make adjustments to make it better so our conversations now are much deeper about diabetes right like our conversations are much more like in depth which is good because it's helping her as well to better understand you know where i'm currently at with type one and where type one care is currently at you know it relieves a lot of pressure it's it's really interesting like the the way the relationship with diabetes changes once you kind of opt into that and yeah. I and I want to talk about that specifically like you're a person who is in the public eye mm-hmm. before you know you guys are obviously right. you know I've seen the on your stories like you guys have the million subscriber plaque on the wall yes. at the house right like, <laughs> yeah. you know you guys are uh, you know a family who is in the public eye and you've invited yes. everybody to be a part of your lives right. uh, and part of that is with the diabetes piece like and yep. I've noticed. Uh, since I've met you and really mm-hmm. in the last year or so, right, you've become more proactive on uh, making diabetes a bigger part of your story. Absolutely. Yeah. What made you, what were kind of the the decision criteria like that made you commit to that? And how has it, how, how has it changed? How has it opened up this kind of world for you? Yeah, great question, man. Um, so when I initially started YouTube, I never actually wanted to talk about diabetes much, which is funny. It's It's crazy looking back at it now. Um, and it was just the same kind of thing where it's like, I never really wanted to be known as Andrew, the diabetic. Plus I didn't know, like I posted a video not too long ago on Instagram where it's like, I said, I've really felt alone at this point. Like I I got to the point of all these years, 20 some years of just owning it by myself, right? Over the last five years or so, like Hannah, my wife, she's not really involved whatsoever with my diabetes, nothing at all. Like I, 
she would, she did so much for me in the beginning. She carried so much of that weight, that financial stress, finding me insulin, helping out with everything, booking, even, I was such a little punk, you know, back then. I feel so <laughs> bad for her. But, um, so she, I, I don't put any of that on her at all. She still helps out though. You know, she just awesome wife that way, but she, she doesn't help out. Well, she doesn't, I don't require that. I should yeah. say I've grown independent. You don't need her help don't as need much her help, anymore. And I don't want her help because I, I actually enjoy taking full responsibility over this and managing this now. Um, but yeah, so, um, as, as I started, um, creating on YouTube and I started making these diabetes videos here and there, sometimes for clickbait. <laughs> um, there's a couple of them that were like a clickbait opportunity where like, I just, it was crazy, right? I was on an airplane. Um, I, we were heading to Mexico. I changed my pump, which was in my arm. And when I did in the airplane, blood just <laughs> pouring, bro. It was everywhere. I couldn't, oh I couldn't even manage it. I was trying to put like anything and people had to like come and like, Oh my God, uh, it was bad. It oh, was, that's it like was embarrassing too, right? Like you're just not. so embarrassing, dude. And they're trying to get me off. Nobody speaks English. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And we actually were vlogging cause I was changing the pump. So the camera's already rolling. I was just like, Hannah's like, should we shut up? Just let it roll, you know? So, um, but we ended up shutting it off and I explained the situation because it was a lot of blood. It was too, it was too much to show on YouTube. Um, so that was pretty crazy, but beginning to see other type ones responses in the comments, I was mm. like, whoa, like I'm not alone. You know, this is, this is crazy. So I really appreciated that. And then I, and then I went to Instagram and I just started like searching like the hashtag, like type one diabetes, like, holy crap. There's like 500,000 posts on here about this. Right. And then you, and then I kind of went down that rabbit hole of like, just looking, 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 looking through and like, whoa. And then I saw some repeat people. Uh, one of the guys is uh, uh, Rob Howe who was doing Sounds a podcast familiar. called Diabetics uh, Doing Things. <laughs> and uh, so I checked that out. Um, and I met some other people um, just, just in the community who were regularly posting and posting content that was actually helping me to improve, again, on health, um, on diet, and uh, just opening my eyes to things that I didn't even know existed yet, right? Because I was kind of in the dark because I kept myself isolated. Um, I don't know if that was a coping mechanism or just I accepted it for what it was and that I would never get any better, right? And then I kind of, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast where it's like, I kind of stopped trying. You know, where it was like, hmm. I just am coasting, right? It wasn't improving, it wasn't getting worse, but I wasn't going anywhere, just coasting, right? right? Um, and I got to that point where it's like, those hate comments on YouTube and seeing all you guys on the community on, on Instagram really motivated me. Um, and then putting two and two together going, whoa, every time I post, I'm seeing hundreds of people responding in my DMs going, I have type one, I have type one. I'm like, what? I had no idea all these people were there. And then all of a sudden you get, I'm sure you get this a lot where you get all these people who then will begin to share their story with you. Yeah. And they're like, you helped me so much. I was having so much anxiety this day about my diabetes, but seeing you post about um, having a really high blood sugar, for example, just seeing that they're not the only ones going through those moments, yeah, those definitely. days meant so much to people, just like it has to me. And I was like, man, I've got this platform. Like YouTube is giving me this platform and Instagram is giving me this platform. And I'm like, I need to, like, I want to help people the way that people have helped me, yeah. you know? And that's why like over the last year when, when all this happened, I am much more active 
on um, advocating and helping and educating and because a lot of my followers are not type ones right so i think it's important for them to see some of that lifestyle and see what we do but also bring awareness just like my wife had no idea sure um and now she knows and it's just awesome you know it's really cool and i think you know i obviously most of my the people that follow me have diabetes so it's kind of the Sometimes, sometimes it works in the opposite for me is like, I'll want to just post some regular life stuff. And yeah. it's like, really, these people want to know what my life with diabetes is like. And I remember that. And I, and yeah, people have shared stories with me and thankfully, like, so I can share them on the podcast, right. you know? And I think, uh, some of my, I've met some of my closest friends and that I otherwise would not have met had I not opted in, like you said, raise your hand. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great. Other, if I hadn't done that, we, I wouldn't be here with you right now yeah. in Los Angeles recording. Yeah. So, same. Uh, yeah, I, it's still, it's still growing. It's still, it's changing. Uh, I'm excited for the opportunities that are coming and like kind of catching up and bringing diabetes into the world that you, that you and your family have been into in social yeah. media. It was like, there are now opportunities for people. There's community, yeah. there are meetups there are in, and companies are getting behind it as well. Right. So it's uh it's an exciting time. Yeah, it really is, man. I um, say that all the time. I'm like, man, what a time to be alive with diabetes though. Yeah. You it's, know? it's great. Like the time where, where that first lady that I was talking about with the blind, she's blind, empty, amputated legs and all that kind of stuff. Like that was a harder time with diabetes, you know? And now, like you said, the technology is, oh, what a time to, to be alive. Well, and then- I think when I, when I go to conferences and I meet people, obviously when there's like, you know, stories of people with complications, it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking, you know? And right. I, and I right. think, uh, those, there are real complications. This Absolutely. is a dangerous disease. Absolutely. And I think like that sometimes goes overlooked. Yeah, uh, because you know we're we're out there living our best life and we're trying right. to do what we can. Right. But there are you know there are complications to to diabetes for sure. Yep. Uh, but when I meet somebody at a conference who's had diabetes for fifty plus years, oh, yeah, sixty dude. plus years, and they're walking around and they're happy and they've oh, got yeah. a family and grandkids yep. and they you know their life hasn't been changed for the worse because of diabetes. Right. And they are still who they want to be. Absolutely. Uh, and it's like if they can do that forty years ago, boiling needles and like with cow <laughs> insulin, yeah. and I'm like I for sure can with yeah. a CGM and like a hybrid <laughs> no. loop and you yeah. know everything that I need and yep. um, uh, you know ten thousand of people that I can ask questions to, right, absolutely. I'm going to be fine. And that gives yeah. me a lot of hope. And I, yep, and I really like that. And then also people like you, you know, uh, who I wouldn't have known had diabetes and now you've opted in. It's like, yeah, you know, I get to be friends with you guys. It's yeah. So cool. Same dude. So cool. Um, all right. I, I usually ask this question. Uh, I got a little bit away from it lately, but I think it's really relevant here. So, uh, obviously you and your family travel all the time. So this is the context of this question is important. Okay. So imagine you're in an airport uh, and they're, you're about to board last for whatever reason. Uh, they're about to shut the door to your gate, but somebody walks up to you who has type 1 diabetes and has been recently diagnosed. Uh, you have to go in 30 seconds, and you can't miss this flight. But what's the one thing that you tell them uh, before you have to jump on the jet and roll out uh, to that person who's just been re- recently diagnosed or is, has been struggling with their diabetes? Yeah. What, what do you tell them? I would say the most important thing right now is to get online and check out the community because they're going to learn a whole lot more than I could share with them in, in a few seconds you know, at their own pace, um, and they can be encouraged, and they can learn about pretty much anything, the advances of diabetes, the cost of diabetes, the, there's everything that you can learn right at your fingertips by just getting on Instagram and, and following some of these accounts of people who are openly talking about type 1. 
And I really do think that there's somebody for everybody. I do, uh, 100%. It, which is so cool. There's people who talk about fitness, people who talk about Absolutely. diet, people who talk about traveling, blo- bloggers, it will blow vloggers. Your mind. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I'll see people, uh, you know, and I'm like, how, 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 the, how the heck are they doing that? How are yeah? they doing that? Oh, it's wild, man. Yeah. I love it. I just try to keep up. Yeah. And then I'm, and that's like a brag point, dude. I, I got to show all my friends, like, none of my non type one friends, which is pretty much everybody, you know? And I'm like, look at this dude. This is a diabetic right here, bro. This dude, look how big he is. He's all, all kinds of muscles and he's doing this and that so yeah cool. man it's dope it uh, is. all right man i think we're, we're up on time here cool. in our awesome studio space yeah, uh, space is cool. obviously andrew sly fox on instagram yes uh, you're starting a new youtube channel i am uh what's it called where can they find it uh andrew sly fox okay yeah. love it yes you, they can find it uh, under andrew sly fox so it's just the the i call it uh diabetic centric which means everything you know every single video pretty much ha- will have an element of type one um lifestyle um not every video is just exclusively diabetes because i just feel like there's more to me than just diabetes um and more to the lifestyle and things that i do with my family but yeah check it out yeah New channel coming soon got a good vlog for with rob coming soon yeah can't wait to see it man can't wait to follow it smash that subscribe button dude. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll see you guys next time this podcast it's been an amazing journey thus far and i have a lot of really great stuff coming up in the future uh so i'm going to do something that i haven't asked before uh if you're listening to this podcast uh a i would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast just so you get the notifications whenever we publish new episodes because if you've been listening for a while you know i don't always publish them consistently sometimes i'll publish five in a week sometimes it'll be only a couple in a month and you need to know when these episodes drop so be sure to subscribe guest be sure to go to your preferred platform like itunes and leave a review i would love to boost my reviews and i've never asked you guys to do that before so i figured you don't ask you don't get i would love a review from you so i want to hear from you there also we are now available on spotify turns out i was just submitting it to spotify incorrectly but i corrected that so now we're on spotify so if that's your preferred listening platform be sure to subscribe on there Also, just want to let you know that in 2019, we have an awesome new program coming called Tools of Type 1s. It's going to be on this podcast, so you don't have to subscribe anywhere new, but it's going to be an entirely new form of programming with some of your favorite Type 1 personalities. So there are going to be two a week starting January 8th. Be sure to tune in, and I'm going to blast all the messaging I can all around. So be sure to listen to Tools of Type 1s launching January 8th, and thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast.